0: Welcome to Business Now Reports. I'm Miriam Hall. In this series, we tackle some of the biggest questions facing the real estate industry and the economy at large. On today's show, Eve Picker, the founder and CEO of Small Change, a real estate crowdfunding platform that puts real estate developers together with investors. But what makes this one a little different is these developers are creating projects that are doing something to improve cities or improve the world. And Small Change has developed their own index to measure the impact of the proposals. Right now, they have five live offerings, including one from a young woman who's planning an urban spa in San Francisco and who wants the community to invest in it, and another from a woman of colour who's working on revitalising historic row houses in Baltimore. Eve grew up in Australia and is an architect, but moved to Pittsburgh in the 1990s and began taking on projects as a developer where no one else would build. With small change, the idea is to allow everyday people to invest in real estate. Eve's speaking first here about developing the idea for the platform in the wake of the global financial crisis. When the banks melted down,
1: that really had an impact on what I did. I really shut down my real estate development business um, because I couldn't really get those projects to work anymore. I have some really lovely buildings in my portfolio. I stabilised them. I had been managing them with a small team and I started looking for someone to manage them because I wanted to make space for something else. For so the next thing I would do, I was, I'm not really a good maintenance person. I like starting things. I fast forward a couple of years and and I met someone who started to talk to me about this securities rule, and at that point, I really knew nothing about securities. So again, this was a foreign um, journey for me, but um, this person told me about what, it, what was happening or what had happened with the JOBS Act of 2012, which was essentially that um, a group of people had petitioned the government to move crowdfunding for donations to crowdfunding for investment and until that happened um most people 97% of the population were really were really unable to invest in the way that wealthy accredited investors were able to invest so um the the obama administration told the sec through the jobs act of 2012 that um that they, they needed to address two existing securities rules and write a new one to create, to, I suppose, to jumpstart a brand new investment crowdfunding industry. And it took about four and a half years for that to roll out. It started with um, a change to an existing rule that most developers know and use called, they, they call it a private price placement memorandum, it is, um, it's a rule that permits only accredited investors to invest in either real estate or a business, um, and it has to be people you know, and it's really behind closed doors. No, you can't advertise it. You can't let anyone know about it, You know, except through people you know. So it's a very limited number of people who get access to those sorts of deals um and the sec um added a subsection of that rule called 506c which permits you to raise money again from wealthy people accredited investors but you can advertise and um in in exchange for advertising you have to be doubly sure that every person who invests is accredited so you have to take them through a verification process. But the early real estate platforms that emerged used that rule. That was probably the first one was Fundrise, mm. Realty Mogul and Crowdstreet. These are well-established real estate platforms that um, that really um, at the time, Fundrise has changed now, but but accredited investors could only invest, but they had access to deals that they never had access to before because these were developers they didn't know. So that was the first step. The second step is they addressed a second rule called Regulation A, which was also um, an existing rule and permitted um, developers um, to raise a lot more money. It was very difficult to use because you had to go to every state to get permission. So changes were made to that rule to make it uh, easier to use and the cap was raised to 50 million and now it's 75 million and fundrise was the first real estate platform that uh, latched onto that rule, and that's really what they use um they have the they use these they called them e reits for a while now they look like a little bit more like a mutual fund real for real estate but when you go to invest in fundrise um, you can invest as a non-accredited investor because that's the securities rule that they are using. However, you're only investing in a large pool of funds, a blind pool. They decide what they're going to purchase with the money. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I so see. I think the crowdfunding industry must look very complicated to people on the outside because it's very young. These rules permit you to do different things. And not only are real estate platforms emerging, but business platforms and. They're highly creative and people are using these rules in different ways. So the third rule was written from scratch, and that is called regulation crowdfunding. And that's the one that set, that really fascinated me. Um, and it took four and a half years for that rule to be written and to go live. So it wasn't until mid-2016 that it actually went live and and platforms could start raising money using that rule. And that rule is a very burdensome little rule. It's almost like being a mini broker light, but essentially um, it says, we want crowdfunding platforms. We're going to call them funding portals to be the gatekeepers to ensure that issuers really follow the rules and provide the information that they're supposed to provide to investors and that information is registered with the SEC, and that, um, and that adequate um, information is provided to all investors um, and that they are given an opportunity to cancel their investment anytime. There's lots of other things around that, but essentially that's the way it works. And so we built a funding portal, a real estate crowdfunding platform that is really built around that final rule, regulation crowdfunding, which is really the SEC's first attempt to democratize investment. Um, it, it It's a little cumbersome, and it has some weird, um, weirdness to it. But, um, you know, I think over time, the SEC is going to iron and iron these things out. They've already made changes and upgrades to the rule. They are fully behind it. It is is used not only for real estate, but for lots of Main Street and small business raises. And um, when the pandemic started, the SEC even um, put some temporary rules in place um, understanding that small businesses needed money quickly, making it easier for existing businesses to raise money quickly using that rule. So it's just the big, be- it's just the beginning, it's very early on. Um, through this rule, only a mil- a billion dollars have been raised so far, which is a tiny amount of money compared to all the other money that is constantly raised. but um but it's it's rapidly accelerating and and in part because um the pandemic accelerated um the the use of fintech in many sectors of life over the last year the use of fintech software or the adoption of fintech software by everyday people increased from about 58% to 88% in just one year. And that is way faster than social media was adopted by everyday people. And it could be that it was accelerated because of the pandemic, but you know, we use FinTech every day in our lives, financial technology. We don't go to the bank anymore. We couldn't go to the bank during the pandemic. We deposit checks on our phones. We use Bitcoin, We there's like so many financial technology applications are so so rapidly. And equity crowdfunding is moving rapidly right along with those as people become comfortable.
0: So the change meant that you were able to set up small change because small change is the platform. And because the platform is entrusted with making sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and, and the proper regulations are followed and you're registered with the SEC, you could open up to unaccredited investments that's, right. that's which, right which opens up to a whole new world of people
1: it opens up to 100% of the population over 18 which is exploring. which is amazing and that brings me back to what I you know what I said I learned in Pittsburgh about neighborhoods and people and how they love their cities and you know if there's a vacant building down the street from you and you know you want to help the developer turn it into a coffee shop and that developer put up a crowdfunding campaign, you know, you would probably be very interested in investing a little, right? It doesn't have to be a lot, but a little. So it really opens up, I think, an opportunity for for raising the equity that I had so much trouble raising in the communities I was working in at the time in a different way. And that was really, that was what I was thinking when I started this platform.
0: What yeah. is typically on your platform? What kind of projects are, are using your platform to raise money?
1: So not, you know, I didn't think it was hard enough. So, um, <laughs> I I added an a, a, an extra challenge, and um, and you know, I this is my urban design back background and com- my commitment to cities and and my commitment to architecture. Speaking now, I really have always thought that when you build a project, a real estate project, you have a choice. You know, you can choose the materials you're going to use, you can choose how you're going to spend the budget, you can choose whether to put luxury materials outside, or uh, a little public space on the street, there are so many choices you can make. Um, and I, I really believe that if uh, developers that develop that that we should be making the choice with every real estate project to make that community to make that city better it isn't just about the building on the inside but it's the it's what that building contributes to to the public to the public space and so we i i wanted i wanted to raise money for developers who believe this And there are many, many, many of them. There's many of them. I really never thought for a moment that I wouldn't find these developers. But um, we needed early on to develop a way to sort through, filter through them and also brand ourselves. So we pretty purposefully went on on a, a path of branding ourselves as a real estate crowdfunding platform at the intersection of urban issues. And we developed um, our own change index. Um, We looked for an index, some sort of ESG index that we could could implement that would permit us to survey the projects that wanted to raise money on our site and and have a minimum bar for change. Um, We couldn't find one that really worked well. primarily for the reason that, you know, this rule, because we are we are talking to and servicing sometimes unsophisticated investors or people who've never had a chance to invest before and are learning, um, the rule requires us to write everything in plain English. So uh, even using the word sponsor has to be explained, right? um and in fact as these a member are
0: of, these are people who have not not invested right. before I so mean, they need to know what it means what a sponsor <laughs> is,
1: unless you're in the real estate industry <laughs> and as a member of finra we're not even allowed to project returns using internal rate of return so there's a real focus on everyday language and we wanted our index to be every day as well. So we spent some time and developed our own index. It's called the Small Change Index. And every project that comes to us uh, um, with a submission, one of the first steps is that we we review um, their score on our index. And they must score at least 60% for us to list them. This has kept us honest. And it's branded us really well. It's a pretty rare developer who comes to us these days who doesn't
0: understand that. I want to talk in a moment about the types of projects that you have and the types of developments that you've been able to raise for. But first, let's talk a little bit about the investors because this is such an interesting kind of change because real estate has typically only been for. I guess the very rich. And 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 that's the perception of it as well. Is it something you come up against where people think, oh no, I can't invest in real estate. I'm oh, not rich.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, this this just might be in my genes, but my husband's always said I have an um overly adjusted sense of fairness. And I um I I have a very hard time with developers who come to me and who say, well, I'm I'm going to have one deal for the accredited investors over here. Can I give these unaccredited investors less? And I'm like, you know, every dollar is just a dollar. Why, why do you think money. they deserve less? In fact, they actually deserve more because they've never had the chance before. So it's um, I, I don't know. People feel very uncomfortable still, about letting in um, or some people i should say feel very uncomfortable about letting in unaccredited investors um, and i don't really fully understand why i can tell you that the investors on our site are often extremely grateful that they've had the opportunity um, are very clear about what they want to do and ge- generally uh, just a wonderful Um, I, they're just people like you and I, and any, anyone else, they, they've never had this opportunity before and they love having it. So I don't fully understand the reticence, but then I'm, I'm the person who built this platform, so (laughs) I'm probably not the one who's going to understand it. People are very conservative and, and developers can be very conservative and are very, very worried about you know, investors and how they're going to behave. But, Even
0: though money is money, what's the difference to them? Yeah,
1: I think they think that um, um in, investors who are new to the game, because I don't want to call them uneducated or unsophisticated, they're just new to the game, are somehow going to cause them more problems. And, you know, honestly, it might be the reverse that's true. I, I don't know where the thinking is coming from, but... Um, but
0: it's definitely so we, a change in thinking isn't it? It's definitely a it, yeah. it's definitely a mental shift and and it requires I guess some some yeah. training or some education from you
1: So I will tell you that there's been a real shift in the last year and a half in the developers that we're seeing we we really when we started our life we were really experimenting and we had smaller developers who um, who uh, perhaps didn't have as much experience and we pretty purposefully shifted to quality over quantity not to say that small developers can't produce quality projects but we just we just decided internally that we weren't going to go after volume we were going to go after quality projects and so we see repeat customers developers come back Um, we certainly see some developers who fully embrace crowdfunding and it is actually part of their their growth plan for their business we see others who want to test it out we've talked to some very large mega developers 3000 units that they're building who want to just let the community participate so it's not always about the money it's sometimes about community engagement
0: Yeah, Um, a community engagement in a a way that's not just having a meeting with the community board and and having a fight.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very meaningful community engagement. So we're seeing larger and larger deals and developers come to us sort of every day. Um, So we're, you know, gradually getting a foothold and becoming established. But our projects are different than um, in, first of all, because they must meet the change index, which is, which is um, been a very interesting phenomenon. Um, so the change index, we, you know, I'm a bit of a design nerd, I, I love good design. And I tried to pull myself back from that and say, look, there are many ways to make change it change in in cities and neighborhoods, it isn't always about the design, it isn't always about green or sustainable development. Sometimes it's about filling a vacant site or Reworking an empty building and turning it into a business incubator in a place that really needs that help. So, change can come in many different ways. It could even be a luxury building that happens to be a passive house or net zero on a site that's been vacant for a long time. So the projects look; they really they look. Uh, very diverse on our site for that reason and I I, I actually love that diversity because I think it speaks to uh, an important thing there are there are there are lots of ways to make a difference um, so that's a really important part of the equation the, the projects themselves but
0: you the don't second- have to sorry I didn't mean to interrupt but I was going to say are you less and less turning away projects
1: oh yeah it's a very rare project that doesn't get it I mean, it's been a while since, well, I turned one away this week early on because they just, we have a, an early on form where we ask for information. There are a couple of red flags we look for. We do want developers to have a previous experience and we ask to see their previous projects, even if it's only one project. This is simply because putting an SEC disclosure packet together is serious stuff. and. Uh, We feel that someone at least needs to know how to put a bank packet together. A first-time developer is going to have a a hard time with it unless they have someone on their team. Um, We also look for other red flags. They don't provide us with information. We just send it back to them and say we just need to know more. We ask for the address, um, uh, Google URL, and we look at the site to see where it is. Um, got an interesting fix and flip in the middle of the desert in Texas. Texas once, which wasn't a really good
0: fit. So, <laughs> so it's kind like of projects them. that aren't really ready. They're they're, they're just sort of too not ready, or they're not, or
1: they're just throwing out
0: throwing ideas and single sticks <laughs> without really thinking about
1: it. Right, and sometimes they're. They do things like they want to raise more money than the project costs, and it's like, what is that about? Or they don't have control of the property, and control can be either they own it or a sales agreement. That's pretty essential. So there's some early red flags, but really that first form is mostly about the change index. So um, it's a pretty rare project that comes to us these days that it doesn't fit. They might end up not moving forward with us for a whole variety of other reasons, but they generally fit in one way or another.
0: It's interesting that you say to me that some mega developers are now coming to you. Is that something that's happened recently? And do you think that that's been driven by this kind of shifting change from developers where they feel like they really do need to engage within the community more? I mean, it's something I discussed recently on the podcast with Alison Novak, who is with Sidewalk Labs. Um, yeah. She's the head of their Urban Development. And she says that it's something, this type of thing is something that some developers are experimenting with, but it's still, you know, a very early idea. But basically, the, many of the developers have accepted that the situation, the relationship with the community, has become so fraught that they've realised that how they've been doing business in the past yeah. no longer works, and they really do need to make a change. Yeah. Is it? When did you notice this happening? Um.
1: I noticed this happening over the last 18 months and mm. I and I do think it has you know the the pandemic's been a horrible thing but it's had some upsides to it and the Black Lives Matter campaign really has I think had a pretty major impact on developers who are working in neighborhoods and have had to stop and think for a moment okay what am I doing here and and how am I going to include the community so I I do think that's part of it I've also heard that in cities like New York, um, governmental agencies are insisting on better engagement, again, for the same reason. And I think that as um, regulation crowdfunding becomes older, those larger developers are hearing about it. And it just is, it's going to move from being a crazy pioneering idea to being a serious way to raise money um, in the future
0: the fact that you have 50% minority and women developers raising money through your platform, why is that, do you think? is
1: that? Oh, I'm so happy about that. So that wasn't true at the beginning. That wasn't true at the beginning. And that shift has really also happened in the last 18 months. And, you know, we spend virtually no, we spend no money um, actually advertising to developers because we're pretty small and lean at the moment. We're actually, um, planning growth, but um, the the developers who come through the door at the moment are really all we can handle. And we're seeing more and more minority developers, and it's word of mouth, which is really a wonderful thing. I think um, for me, I've always felt I felt very early on with minority developers it was a real trust issue. I'm a white woman and I could I could really I could really feel that and I'm certainly hope that this word of mouth group of people that we're hearing from have been hearing that we will sincerely work with them which which is really what it takes. I think you've got to show not tell and we are showing that we are even-handed and really want to support minority and women developers in our place where they can really get that support so you know even on our website we've gone to the we've gone to the trouble of of you being able to sort by affordable housing or by minority developers or or by women developers if if that's what you want to support as an investor. So that really matters to us. And I'm really gratified that those numbers are where they are. I hope they're going to get better.
0: I know that you can't discuss the types of projects that you're raising money for in too much detail because of various rules. But from my perspective, just looking at the website and the types of projects that that are currently raising money on the platform, there's one, for example, in Baltimore, it's a revitalization project and it, it's raised over $200,000 and it's got 64 investors. Um, and that's, you know, an average of just over $3,000 a person, I think. So what do you think is happening in the world that's encouraging investors or people to invest in those sorts of projects? I know you've said there's been an increase. Is it, is it just the events of the last 18 months? Are people more aware? Are people kind of feeling like they want to control where their investments go? What's the, what's the driving you know,
1: I, I wish I knew the answer because then I could direct my marketing better. But I, I don't know. I think ultimately I think people have a hard time adjusting to change. And, um, you know, someone once drew, drew a bell curve for me, which I, has always stuck in my mind. And at, at the bottom end on the left-hand side is Prada. And at the top, in the middle, is Walmart and Target, and at the bottom end on the right-hand side is the farmer. Mm-hmm. So you know, who are the people who are going to go buy Prada before before it gets it, it gets adopted and changed into something slightly different by Banana Republic, or then ends up on a rack at Walmart in some other form. Um, The the prouder people are the really early adopters, and they're willing to take a risk. They're willing to take a chance. Well, they also have money, but Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of the iPhone um, syndrome as well, right? So they're willing to take a risk. They're willing to take a chance. They wanna be the first in. They like new things. They're not scared of change, but most of the world needs to see things settle um, before they can accept and adopt it um and um and i i think that's you know that's the path we're on and like at the other end you're going to have people like a farmer who's never going to get out of his dungarees right that's all he's ever going to wear and he's really never going to change so at the moment we're kind of pretty we're pretty well at the prada end you know very few people know about regulation crowdfunding it's a nascent industry um people are learning about it Um, the more people learn about it the the further up that curve it will go and the the more it becomes adopted by everyday people where we are on that curve i don't know i just know we're really early on
0: Mm. yeah and it's it it's real estate has been new to crowdfunding in a way because it does have a quite a long lead up time has that been a Uh, challenge for you
1: so it's our customers are developers. And so that's a challenge in that things always happen when you plan a real estate project and they might say, to us, so yes, we're going to be ready to go live in two months. And then something happens and six months later, they come back. So yes, that's a challenge for us. We, our lead, our lead flow isn't, well, our lead flow is consistent, but um, we need, we need to grow and be bigger and scale to really have a constant flow of deals on the site because of because of that issue, which is really out of our control. Um, in terms of investors, you know, we don't have enough information about our investors yet, but I certainly know that some of them are investing from their heart with just a few dollars that they have. So it's a very meaningful investment. Others are wealthier and invest and really don't care if they ever see a return because they just want to support that affordable housing project or whatever it is. Um, And some people come to our site really interested in a financial return and will invest in the projects that they believe will give them a better return. So it's really, the investors are very varied. I think probably we have our greatest investor pool is probably Gen X's and Millennials. But then baby boomers might be investing larger amounts. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early to say.
0: What do you think is going to be the next big wave for, for the next year? For 2022, what would you say is going to be the most popular thing on your site? What do you expect to see more of? What kinds of projects are going to be coming to your platform and trying to use it to raise money? I, I do think there's a real
1: interest from very large developers um, to understand how they can use this tool for uh, for serious community engagement. Because, you know, often their projects um, are, are the are the tip of gentrification and and the people who live in those neighborhoods know that, and so the question is is how do you include them in a meaningful way how How do you help them build wealth in the place where they're living as well? So I think that is going to be I think that's going to be a wave for us. Um, the rules also changed a little in March, and that wave is sort of already underway. So until mid-March, a developer could only raise up to 1.07 million per year, so let's say they had three projects, that was the maximum they could raise in a 12-month period, not a calendar year, a rolling year, but still not a huge amount for most developers. Um, Now that's increased to 5 million, and we are already seeing activity. We already have a couple of projects that are raising over, over a million. Um, and one of them has has raised close to 1.4 million using regulation crowdfunding. So I think that it's it's becoming a more serious tool because of that ability and at the same time the rule upgrades also they made some other really significant changes one was that um, non-accredited investors can now invest more the there's a, a a calculation that's done looking at their income and net worth um, that's been flipped so until mid-march it was a percentage of the lesser of the two, and now it's the percentage of the greater of the two, which is significant. So let's say you have um, someone who has an income of 125,000. You have to have an income of 200,000 to be accredited. So they're not accredited and they have net worth. They've been, you know, they're doing pretty well and they've saved $300,000. That's also not the accredited bar. The accredited bar is a million without your primary residence. But that person can now invest 10% of the greater of the two, $30,000 a year. That's a nice little chunk of investment they can make they, that they really couldn't make in real estate before, unless they went out and bought a house. So this is sort of a brand new opportunity for them. And and then the final piece is that until March fifteenth, even Warren Buffett was um, subjected to those rules and was limited to investing 100000 a year. And as of March 15th, accredited investors can now self-verify and invest as much as they like. It's incredible
0: because so, I was reminded recently that real estate is the number one way that people build wealth in the United States. And, right. That's and it's right. amazing to think how, how very much blocked out of real estate so many people are and this seems like it's changing that
1: yes and i think there's a third thing and is that because we have developers coming back um and planning to come back we have investors who want to invest again in the same developer that's definitely happening we're seeing um we're seeing that 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 trend emerge which is which is great for everyone they have a comfort level with the developer or a place the developers working in or the sorts of projects they're doing and that's the way they're going to invest and we're also seeing um our account holders invest in multiple projects more and more so they're building trust with us as well
0: Eve, thank you so much for taking time to talk about the projects and talk about the platform. And, um, yeah, it was fascinating to hear about the changes that are happening right now and the sorts of um, investments that are getting attention.
1: And thank you so much for having me on. I enjoyed myself.
0: That's Eve Picker, the CEO and founder of real estate crowdfunding platform Small Change. My name's Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please go ahead and like or subscribe and write us a review. It helps other people to find us.